Welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. Tune in each week with Drew and James to hear a relevant conversation about a biblical topic. Thanks for joining. Hi, everyone. I'm James. And I'm Drew. It's good to be here today. We are talking about the Ten Commandments. If you've not checked out the last three episodes, make sure and go look at those on YouTube, or you can go to creeksidefellowshiptn.com and uh, forward slash podcast. It'll pull those up. You can go in and listen to them while you're going down the road or exercising. Or or your favorite podcast app. That's uh, right. Like the podcast app. The podcast uh, app. <laughs> maybe just the podcast app, actually. Awesome. So today we're going to be going into the fourth commandment, which is the commandment of the Sabbath day. There you go. So uh, just a little bit of context, you know, you got the first commandment, which is uh, the first commandment, which is you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, Second commandment, which is not to make a graven image to worship God uh, through an image or to make an image of God. The third thing um, is to uh, not take the Lord's name in vain. Those three things, as we've said, that's the first table of the law. This fourth one uh, has to do with uh, honoring honoring the Lord as the duties we render to the Lord specifically. Um, but it's also tied to those three things, that one of the ways that we make sure that we don't have any other gods, and one of the ways we make sure we worship God in the right way, and one of the ways we make sure that we don't take the Lord's name in vain is by keeping the Sabbath. Uh, and the Sabbath is a really fascinating discussion um, because you see the Sabbath alluded to all throughout the Scripture. So in Genesis 1 and 2, we have God creating the creating the earth in seven days, or in six days, and on that seventh day, what happened? God rested. Yeah. And so then we see in the New Testament this kind of appeal back to um, the back to the Sabbath that God took on the seventh day. We see that in the Ten Commandments, for in six days uh, the Lord made the earth on the seventh you should rest. And then also in the book of Hebrews, we see this here in Hebrews chapter 4. Um, it says, while Therefore, while the promise of entering rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, for they were not united by faith to those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken somewhere of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news fail to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The The command to rest is a funny command. Mm -hmm. It's like you tell your kid, like, go take a nap, you know? Go and do nothing. Yeah. Go and be quiet, go and sit still, go, and you don't need to do anything else today. Um, it's just a really funny command that we, we are 
commanded in the Ten Commandments in, ex, in Exodus 20 to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And the way that we remember the Sabbath is by resting, by resting from the labors of our hands, by not working. To go back to Exodus 20, just to read the text from there, I know I've already read out of Hebrews. Um, Exodus chapter 20, uh, this is verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the Sabbath. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we see a very clear appeal here to the doctrine of creation, um, that if we are to understand the Sabbath, we have to first understand something about um, creation and what God has done in creation, in creating, uh, in creating the entire world. Um, in six days, God made everything, and He made the seventh day um, so that He, He and creation, I think, could rest. And so, what goes into this is that the first six days are in obedience to the Lord. That we should go to work, we mm-hmm. should have a job, we should do something fruitful with our hands, like Adam would tend the garden for six days, but on that seventh day he would rest. And so the idea there is that Adam would work for six days and then rest on that seventh day to enjoy all that he had cultivated and created in those first six days. And so we as humans are wired for work and for rest. It's funny, I saw, a, I can't remember where I saw it or what, what news outlet reported it or whatever, but I saw someone that said there was a new study that came out that said like human beings need to rest once every seven days or like for it was like for mental health or for mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, physical well-being like you need it. And it's kind of like, okay, all of these sophisticated scientific studies, whenever we could have just listened to what God said right. and we could have known that, yes, human beings are wired for two things. They are wired to work and they are wired to rest. And they're not wired to do them at just in, in imbalanced ways, but wired to do them in a certain kind of way. And in doing that, when we abide by that, we give God the glory. Thoughts yeah. on that, James? Yeah, I think that it's also really neat. We talked about the Ten Commandments being right after the Israelites were brought out of Egypt, and uh, it's interesting that here these guys had never had a break, right? That's right. They're slaves. They're told by Pharaoh, you have to work, you've got to work, you got to work, you got to work. They don't get a break. No days You're off. You're sick, get in there and work harder, yeah. you know? It doesn't matter. You're on your deathbed, work till you drop, you know? And so then all of a sudden they're coming out of that rule and that rain, and here's a commandment to rest, take that time off. Imagine you've been a slave your whole life, and you hear on the seventh day, God rested, so you should also rest. Yeah. Like Imagine that, like, oh my gosh, I get a day off yeah. every single week. I mean, there's no paid time off. There's no right. vacation in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, we live in a world that is so, so different from that one. Um, we now see, I think, the Sabbath to be oppressive. Mm-hmm. We think that it is wrong that we are told that we shouldn't work one right. day in seven. And let's just be clear, that is the command, yeah. right? That we sh- we should work for six days and we should rest for that one day. And that rest that we do on that one day is a rest that is both physical and spiritual. Okay, so we physically rest from our labors. We, sh- we shouldn't do our regular job 
on the Sabbath day, right? I think that's a I think that's a very clear um, implication of Scripture. So, um, if you're if your regular job is you know you're in sales of some type, that seventh day you don't need to take your sales calls. You know, you yeah. need to you need to say, hey, this is not a day I'm going to work. Um, I'll be in the office again tomorrow, and I'm happy to start working again tomorrow. But this seventh day is set aside for me to to worship the Lord to rest from the labors of my hands. You know, if you're a brick mason, you shouldn't lay bricks uh, on the Sabbath day. If you're, you know, if you, whatever your regular job is, you should seek to abstain from that job. Now I'm going to get to exceptions here in a minute because there are, there are exceptions there to are. this, to this, you know, to this standard. Um, but the hard, the hard and fast rule is that there is a day that God has set aside for his people to, to rest and to worship. And under normal circumstances, we should obey that command by resting physically and spiritually. Um, the Catechism says, Heidelberg Catechism, um, this is question 103, what does God require in the fourth commandment? And it's in two parts. In the first place, that the ministry of the gospel and schools be maintained. That's not talking about like public schools, talking about like ecclesiastical learning, like Sunday school, something like that. Uh, and that I, especially on the day of rest, diligently attend church to learn the Word of God, to use the holy sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian alms. There's four things that he says we're to do on the Sabbath day. Um, he says that I diligently attend church to learn the Word of God. That's the first thing. Part of the part of the Sabbath is that we would not just not just rest and take a nap. But right. that we would learn and grow in yeah. the love of Christ. That's not to say that now some of the Puritans were against napping on the Sabbath, but I think they were maybe. And I'm I'm going to disagree with the Puritans here, so you know that's a big deal for me. Um, <laughs> that the 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 Puritans probably just needed a nap. Like they they, they probably <laughs> were a little good. cranky, um, and they probably needed to to take a nap. But if the, uh, Sunday's not just for laying around, no. you know, it's you're to learn the word of God. All right. Um, to the, the catechism says diligently attend the church to learn the word of God, to use the holy sacraments. Okay. Um, when we, when we say that the, the sacraments, when we talk about, we're talking about those ideas, baptism and the Lord's supper, that those are a means of grace that remind us what God has done and what he calls us to. So when we observe the Lord's Supper together, which we do weekly here at Creekside, it is a reminder of what God has accomplished to us by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we commune with God spiritually by the sacraments. So the Lord Jesus is present in the sacraments, but he's not present like physically, like the, the doctrine of transubstantiation would teach, but by his spirit, that we get a special... Uh, understanding a special kind of presence and a special kind of grace from observing the Lord's table together as mm-hmm. a church that we wouldn't get otherwise. And so that's that's one of the reasons why uh, communion is to be given and to be received at the church with the body of Christ yeah. and not just willy-nilly wherever you might feel like it. Um, so to to call publicly upon the Lord, to, to excuse me, to observe the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord— this this goes back to what we were talking about in uh in uh the second commandment. We are as the people of God to come together publicly and corporately and identify with the body of Christ. One of the reasons you should know someone is a Christian is because you see them at church. 
You see them at a church. Maybe it's not always your church. Um, but I just think it's so funny, the conversations that we have with people um, where they say, hey, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't really go to church. Well, let's just be very clear. The Bible doesn't have a category for someone who is a Christian and is not does not belong to a church or does not regularly gather with the people of God to call publicly upon the Lord. The last thing that he says that we're to do in the, in the on the Sabbath day is to give Christian alms. So the idea, we work six weeks and we bring, or six weeks, work six days and we bring a part of what we've worked for and towards to the Lord. Now, I, I don't think that this means you must always give Every single week, we often don't get paid, you know, in our culture, except for every other week. I mean, I think you can give monthly according to what you would have given if you had given each week. You know, right. what I, we have an elder at our church, he gives once a year uh, because he gives out of like his retirement fund, so he knows exactly how much he's going to give that year, and he just makes that contribution early on. Uh, again, that's uh, some people have differing interpretations. Oh, you have to give every week. You should give every week. But I think the 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 method here is that we need to be mindful that we are giving out of the abundance of what God has given us, and we're bringing that. And the Sabbath is the day uh, that we are to do that. Okay. Uh, in the second place, I said it's in two parts. In the second place, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works, allow the Lord to work in me by His Spirit, and thus begin the everlasting Sabbath. And I love that because the Sabbath is is one day in seven, but it is also one way of life over against another. And that's mm-hmm. what Hebrews, uh, it, the, the reading from Hebrews was getting at, is that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, that we are looking forward to that day where we will rest forevermore. And so our yeah. spiritual Sabbath is a foretaste of that that we get to rest from our works and from our labors, not just physically, but spiritually. We get to rest in Christ. There is nothing more that we have to do to be accepted before the Lord. Um, just like, again, thinking about the Egyptians coming out of slavery. Like, what else did the Egyptians have to do to make sure they'd be free from slavery by the time Moses gave them the law? Not a thing. Yeah. You know, there was nothing else they had to do to squash Pharaoh. Pharaoh was squashed, that was over, and that was done. Now they are to begin a new way of life. And so we, when we become Christians, we are to begin a new way of life, to, to rest in Christ, to rest in His finished work. We're not laboring for our salvation any longer. Our right. salvation has been accomplished to, to us by Jesus Christ, has been accomplished for us by Jesus Christ, rather, and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. And that's such an important di- distinction for us. We don't keep the Sabbath so that God will be happy with us. God is happy with us because of Christ, so let's keep the Sabbath. Yeah. Any thoughts you want to throw in there? Yeah, I'll throw something in there. So if we go to Genesis chapter 2. Now this, uh, I don't know if you've ever re- read the complete Jewish version of the Bible. There, I, I, From what I understand, it comes from the Hebrew text, and I don't read Hebrews, but I can read this where it was translated. And it, it translates... Uh, Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 3, God blessed the seventh day, separated it as holy, because on that day God rested from all his work which he had created. And uh, this is the little part that I like. It says, so that it itself could produce. And so it's like you have all of this work that you've done all week long, and then if you don't take this day to sit back and watch what it's produced, then you're, again, you're just kind of doing it in vain. There's nothing, there's no time for you to stop and say, God, thank you for what you've done this week. God, thank you for the many blessings that I have. God, thank you for allowing me to work those six days and actually allowing God to know that it's not something I've done. It's what you've done. And I can see 
the works that I've put in, and I can see what it's produced. And God, this is all for Your glory. Yeah, I I think there's there's such a there's such a freeing uh, component of the Christian life when we understand that God has done something we couldn't do, mm-hmm. uh, and so now we are to do nothing at some point because God has done something. He's you know, really I, I just I think there's something totally freeing about that. And so the 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 issue though becomes for modern people that the Sabbath becomes a restriction. Mm-hmm. It feels like a restriction rather than a freedom. I think that's my, at least my experience. Uh, and so e- even just even the recommendation that it is better for you to go to church and to be with the people of God than it is to be, we've used the illustration, you know, hiking in the mountains or, right. you know, uh, golfing or, or camping, which are all fine and good things, which you can do, you know. Um, the, the Bible doesn't prohibit any of those things, but to put them over against this one day yeah. that God has given us for work or for rest. And I think the argument is, hey, I work all week, and I've only got a few days in my weekend. You know, I've only got Saturday or Sunday. And it's, yeah, that's exactly right. And don't you realize that God's given you one of those days? Yeah so that you would use it for your Christian growth, that you would use it so that you might um, learn the Word of yeah. God, um, that you might rest from your ordinary labors, that you might uh, be refreshed in Christ, and you might contemplate and, and, and think about the finished work of Christ rather than um, just do the things that you would do every, every other um, day of the week. It's a, it's a day. It should feel different. It should be should different. Be. And I think what we, what we think is that if I use my Sabbath day for church, for these these kinds of regular things, then I'm going to miss out on the stuff that I really want to do. Yeah. Going out on my boat, going camping, you know, going hiking, all that. Again, I love all of those things. Those right. are all fine and good activities. But who are you really living for if yeah. you the reason you, you can't go to church on Sunday is because you're out camping every weekend? Right. Um, I think we just need to remember God delivered us from the destiny of hell. Like, you know, we are, we are headed to an eternity away from the presence of the good presence of the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity, and God rescued us from that by Christ and his sacrifice. So we come together to rest in that. So whatever we're doing at that time, it is not a burden to right. us. It is, it is a joy, rather. Um, and so... That there, I think, is one of the reasons that we wrestle with this so much as modern people is because we're very self-centered in the way that we use our time, yeah. uh, and we're not uh, forward-thinking or, or forward-focused on what God has already accomplished for us in His mm-hmm. perfect timing. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, when we talk about being in the church and being together and not doing the things that we enjoy sometimes just because we want to be in the church together, I believe what we've done also. Uh, could be sinful by trying to bring the things that are outside the world that we really want to be doing, right, inside the church, mm. just so that it feels like now we're accomplishing what God wants us to do, but now I'm having fun yeah. while I do mm. it. And I don't, I, obviously, I think we can have fun. Church is at fun. Church. Like, and if, if, we, you don't, if you don't think church is fun, yes. you're not doing it the right way. That's exactly you know? right. Like, cause, and not that we do anything like spectacular here on Sunday, but like I, I look forward to the yeah. to church week by week by week just by being with the people of God. I mean, this past week you were 
you were actually on vacation this past week, yeah. so you don't get to take advantage Sorry. of this anecdote I'm about to share. <laughs> um, but we had a prayer meeting at church this past Sunday night, and um, there was, you know, there were a number of families that were here. It was a smaller crowd than than Sunday morning, and that's the case a lot of times for prayer meetings. Uh, sometimes there are things people have to attend to, and we understand that. Um, people are sick or kids, you know, kids are, are sickly or whatever it might be. Um, but we had this this meeting, and there were a number of families that were here, and um, we got together and we prayed for some specific things at our prayer meetings. You know, I had, I had 10 different volunteers pray for 10 different things, mm-hmm. and they weren't things like, um, you know, Grandma is sick, and I love Grandma, and I care when she's sick, and I will right. pray for Grandma when she's sick, but we all have grandmas, and we all have friends and fa- and relatives that are sick, and sickness is not an extraordinary plight in, in the human life. The Bible does tell us to pray for sick people, yeah. but it also tells us to give thanks for our daily bread. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's more of something that I think is, is, a, is a personal or maybe an interpersonal um, kind of thing, not something that the church on the whole necessarily always needs to pray for, okay? So... We have, um, that sounded the wrong way. That didn't come across the right way whenever I said that. It's not something we should necessarily devote our corporate times of prayer towards, right? We want to we devote our corporate times of prayer to things that affect us all corporately. So we spent time praying for other churches. We spent yeah. time praying for lost lost, mem- lost family members, lost acquaintances. Like your, your grandmother's lostness, if she's lost, is more a pressing matter of prayer than her ailment, whatever physical ailment that she might yeah. have. Okay, So just trying to draw the line and the distinction there. Again, it's good. The Bible says in the book of James to pray for people who are sick. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not, again, not discounting that. But there's a special sense in which we pray for um, spiritual needs in our community, pray for spiritual leaders, those, those different kinds of things. So we had this time of prayer. We sang some songs. Um, we had one of our pastors gave a little meditation on uh, on the essence of faith from Genesis chapter 12, It was or Genesis 15. It was a great uh, reminder there. And then we had a time afterwards where I said, hey, would anybody like to share anything, um, anything that God's maybe done in your life? Just kind of open up the floor, kind of open mic and... Uh, someone said, "Hey, I, I praise God. My 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 grandkids are moving close to home. I get to see them a lot more. Like, man, that's awesome, you know." Someone over here said, "Man, I praise God for you know this thing that happened in the church or whatever it was." And then there was one guy uh, who who raised his hand and just said tearfully, "I'm just so thankful for this church because mm-hmm. it has been it has meant so much to me and my family uh, in this past year, and uh, it's just you know just." brought tears to my eyes even just considering hearing this guy think about it and it was truly like this like this family it's not a huge group of people right. you know just gathered together praying in a chapel um praying about what god would have them do as a church and then just thankfulness to god for that uh, and it was just this beautiful unifying moment mm-hmm. okay what are you out there on the boat to yeah. get what are you out there in the woods to get mm-hmm. you know camping again I love being on the boat. Yes. I love camping. I love backpacking. If you want to go backpacking sometime, call me. Uh, like, let's, <laughs> that'll be a great time. What are you there to get, though? If you're there to make memories or to have uh, make connections with other people, you're missing out on what God is doing in knitting His people together by neglecting those other, or by neglecting the church and pursuing those other things. Right. Imagine if this individual, and he, he was speaking about a significant trial that he and, his, he and his family had walked through, and the church had really supported him in the midst of that trial. Imagine if he had said, oh, there's a significant trial. We need to be at church less. 
Mm. We need to be around the people of God less. We need mm-hmm. fewer uh, fewer opportunities to mix and mingle with the people of God. That instance where we where we celebrated what God has, had done in the church and in resting in Christ and in what how the church had cared for this individual, it'd be missed altogether. Yeah. If either that individual had pulled away mm-hmm. when the trial came, or if other people had not stepped up when the, when the trial came, and the mm-hmm. only reason we really knew about the trial is because we went to church together, right. day by day, week by week, we observed the Sabbath together regularly. And so, we're, I just again, if you don't think church is fun, yeah. you might not be doing it the right way. And the best part about, I say the best part that was a really significant part. But um, after that time. We stood out in the parking lot, and uh, so we had some ice cream available, and we stood out in the parking lot, and we ate ice cream, and the kids played on the playground, and we just, like, laughed and talked and caught up with each other for, like, an hour and a half or two hours after the fact. You know, there's there's always this uh, this, this cultural thing in the South where you say, all right, well, we'll see you later, and then you go outside and you stand by the car and talk for another <laughs> yeah. hour and a half or two hours. But, like, that, that's what happened at the church with just regular church members. And, like, it's, it's really good. It's really, like, mm-hmm. soul-filling, joyful kind of thing. Yeah. What are we doing? We're remembering the Sabbath. We're yeah. remembering what God has done. God has knit us together, uh, and we're just enjoying worshiping and celebrating and fellowshipping together in a way that's uncommon that you don't find in the rest of the world. That's what it means to remember remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy, is to be, be with the people of God and to do the things that God has commanded you to do. And if you'll do it, you'll find it not to be a burden, Right. Not to be restrictive, but to be be truly a joy. Um, and I think one of the reasons that we have a hard time with the Sabbath command is because our hearts are very hard, mm-hmm. and they need to be broken uh, by the by you know by the gospel, you mm-hmm. know, to understand what Christ has done and what He calls us to, and that you know stepping into stepping into this is putting aside ourselves. In putting Christ first and foremost, and putting our brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. above ourselves, that's a super duper hard thing to do. And let's mm-hmm. not be let's not be dishonest about that. And our hearts, at some point, need rewiring and retraining on what that looks like. And so, if you're hearing this and you're listening to us talk about keeping remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, um, the one of the primary ways you do that is by being a part of a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 not the fullness of the command, but that is the the primary way in which Christians obey that command. And so, um, if you're not doing that at the bare minimum, you're not going to do the rest of what the command implies. Right. Um, so give give a priority to your local church. Step up and serve. You know, make sure that the church that you attend that you're a member of is preaching the gospel. Um, that, that people are seeking to live in fellowship and community with one another by covenanting together in church membership, and then plug in and see how God will bless right. you. Like, see how God will... Um, yeah, this is something God is doing, not something that you and I are required to do. Like, yeah. God is building the church. It's our joy to be able to jump in and to participate in it. It's not our labors um, that build the church. It's His Word. You got any thoughts on that? Yep. The only thing is, it says to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I mm-hmm. think it's that keeping it holy which is what sets it apart, and that's what makes it fun, right? Yeah. That's what makes it, because we can we can set a day aside every week sure. and not keep it holy, right. and it's not the same. That's right. Yeah. And so there's there's all kinds of questions. What should you do or what shouldn't you do on the Sabbath? And I'm not going to give any hot takes on what I think you should or shouldn't do. Um, maybe those aren't always the most fruitful questions. And there's matters of conscience that, that mm-hmm. are close to this. We, we all want to agree together, yes, so we want to... We want to obey the Sabbath. We want to keep it holy, and I have no problem saying that means you need to you need to have a priority given in your own life to the local church. 
outside of that, there are some exceptions to the mm-hmm. Sabbath that we that we very clearly see Jesus in the New Testament mm-hmm. is often charged with being a Sabbath breaker. Yeah. Um, and what is important to note is in the New Testament, when Jesus breaks the quote-unquote Sabbath rules, he's not breaking the rules laid down in the Scriptures. He's, laid, he's breaking the rules that have been added by very religious individuals. And so um, maybe the Puritans' uh, no-napping policy on the Sabbath might have been one of the things that right. Jesus might have been found guilty of breaking. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We know that Jesus took naps in the he New did. Testament. We don't know when he took them, uh, if he took them on the Sabbath or not. Um, but we need to be mindful that Jesus seems to set the priority that um, the Sabbath is something that is made um, so that we might remember what God has done, um, that, that um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. I think I've got that right. Uh, that's a really easy one to, to, to get backwards. <laughs> yeah. um, but in, in, in keeping that, in, in being mindful of that, that there are times where you should, for the sake of mercy or for the sake of necessity, um, do something differently than you would ordinarily do on the Sabbath. So he says, if an ox falls in the ditch, won't yeah. you pull it out? What's necessary for me to keep my ox? Like, is it is it merciful or is it good that my ox falls in a ditch? And I say, well, it's the Sabbath, so I guess my ox is going to die. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, no, you should be merciful. You should get your ox out of the ditch. You should, right. you should, uh, you should do that. It's a necessity. Right. Um, and so I would equate that with thing like, man, maybe you, maybe you're a cop. And you got to work a Saturday, a Sunday every now and again. Um, may, maybe that's an act of necessity you need to take. However, if it becomes that you have to work every single Sunday, you know, and you're never able to go to church, you might need to get a different job. Yeah. You know, your your ox might live in the ditch. It's not pulling the ox out of the ditch; it's that your ox is always there. And so, being mindful of that, I, I think is I think is one thing. The other thing there is acts of mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's it is better to do good on the Sabbath than to not do good, and so Jesus Jesus gives the example of healing uh, a man who has an infirmity, healing that man on the Sabbath, and says it's better to do good than it is to do ill. So it's good to do acts of mercy, even if that might involve you doing some kind of of labor um, right. that you would normally do in your in your weekly work. Um, so I just think about like you know, let's imagine, and this is super hypothetical, but let's imagine that you're a uh, a plumber. You know, and somebody's got a leaky pipe in their house, and if they don't get the pipe fixed, right. it's going to be like a really big deal. An act of mercy might be going over there and fixing that pipe, even though it's the Sabbath. And in doing that, you're serving your neighbor, right. doing, doing something good for them, rather than um, simply serving yourself. So those are just two examples. Again, I don't want to get put hard and fast rules. Um, we don't want to put like solid lines where there are, where there aren't. We don't, right. don't, don't want to draw lines in the sand where there aren't. But we do want to be just mindful of the Sabbath. Um, should be something that we regard with a high priority, and we should we have to protect the Sabbath, yes, remember the Sabbath, um, and 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 to keep it holy, like you said, to make sure it's devoted to the things of the Lord. And again, that's going to make your 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 world look really countercultural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hey, I, I'm sorry, I'm I can't be there this Sunday because I'm going to church. Yeah. Uh, how often do we excuse like? Hey, I'm not going to be at church this week because I got to do this. How often do we say, "Hey, I'm not going to be there this week because I've got to go to church mm-hmm. um, because I want to be with the people of God." Our priorities need to be uh, reordered and reoriented um, so that we might just just serve the Lord more faithfully and more fully. You got any other thoughts or questions? No, I I think that you've kind of covered all of it, and uh, I think we could probably do a whole another episode, honestly, on the Sabbath, but um, pretty pretty 
broadly i think we covered it all yeah uh, so at least in at least a 30,000 foot overview exactly. um there's obviously this is this is a hot topic in um not just in like practical application sense right. but even just in um like bible scholarship like how do we understand the Sabbath? Um, is is the Sabbath of the New Testament the same as the Sabbath of the Old Testament? Right. Like, um, what's the difference? Why do we meet on Sunday whenever mm-hmm. um, the the you know the Sabbath was the seventh day, which was Saturday in the Old Testament? And let me address that question really quick because I think I've got a, I think I've got a decent answer for that. Um, the Sabbath in the New Testament is Sunday. Um, it, it the Sunday is a Sabbath day, and so it's not just that we should set apart one day in seven. Like if we could worship on a Tuesday, that hey, let's worship on a Tuesday. I think it's important that we worship on a Sunday, and the reason for that is that's the day that Christ rose up from the dead. So in the Old Testament, and this is where I think it's pretty cool, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, God worked seven days, and then he rested. On the seventh day, on Saturday, where was Jesus? On Friday, he was crucified, laid in the tomb. On Saturday, the the tomb was full, right? The tomb held the body of Jesus. But on Sunday, on the first day, where was Jesus? He rose from the dead on the third day uh, that the tomb would be empty. And so the the rest that we the rest that we now have is rest in Christ. Uh, that in the new covenant, that we now we do not labor so that we might rest. We rest because Christ has already labored. Mm. And so we, when Christ rose on the first day of the week, he set a new, uh, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a new covenant Sabbath, what we might call the Christian Sabbath, um, that we are to rest and we are to uh, rest from our labors on that day. But we are to rest on the Sabbath day, which is Sunday now, mm. because Christ did the work on Friday and Saturday. He did the work on the cross to redeem us from our sins and laid uh, in the tomb until Sunday morning when he got up from the dead. Now we, as the people of God saved by Christ, we rest on the Sabbath day because we rest in his finished work. That's wonderful. I've not heard that. I like that. (laughs) You convinced me. (laughs) You convinced me. There, I'll be there on Sunday. (laughs) That's good. And again, if 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 this is something that's new to you, uh, just encourage you. You know, read the scripture and ask yourself, am I willing to do whatever it is God has commanded me to do? Mm. If the answer to that is no, then you have a different you have a different problem than just obeying the Sabbath. Yeah. If the answer to that is yes, then search the scripture and just say, What does it clearly say? What yeah. what it, what it seems to be the thrust of what God is calling his people to do here? Is this just a man-made regulation? Uh, like Jesus broke the Pharisees' man-made regulation. If it's a man-made regulation, then we, let's not honor it as God's law, because that's neither honoring to the Lord or to man. But if it's if it's what God has commanded us to do, let's do it joyfully, let's do it fearfully, and let's do it for the praise of His glory. Yeah. Well, and I want to encourage the listeners to go back and listen to a past podcast season that we did about the church. Uh, we addressed the Sabbath uh, a small bit in that, and uh, there was a lot of information that I learned through uh, the church. And I'm not even recalling what you're exactly referencing right now, so that must have been a really great episode. It was a yeah. wonderful episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's good. Uh, thanks thanks for bringing that out. Yeah, awesome. Well, any other final thoughts? Uh, see you next week. See you next week. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you on the Creekside Podcast.